Hello, my name is Andrew Gamison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to this week's edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. This week we will be focusing on St. Patrick's Day as we are nearing that celebration on Thursday. And for a lot of people in popular culture today, it means uh, spending time at your pub, drinking your favorite spirit, or uh, going to a parade or wearing green uh, to avoid being pinched. But as we dig into this, I think you will find that there is a much deeper meaning to St. Patrick's Day, and more importantly, who St. Patrick was as a person. And so I hope that you really enjoy the unique way that we bring that to life for you later in the show. But first of all, I want to tell you about what is going on. Well, I'm taking a a little bit of a break from my typical news coverage in this particular segment, and I just want to bring some things to mind that I hope will be fun and also encouraging to our hearts as we contemplate, again, the life and work of St. Patrick. But the first thing I want to share with you is something that is not particularly Irish, but as I was listening to this song uh, by a man who calls himself Agapeldi Ridge, his actual name is Michael Eldridge, um, and it's the hymn Near the Cross. Now, he sings four-part harmony. He sings each of the individual parts, and I've listened to his songs before and been really encouraged by them, and as I listened to his rendition of Near the Cross, I just thought that it went well with the story of St. Patrick um, because he goes from someone who did not prize his religious training at all uh, to someone who had a life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus and then had a burning desire to share that with others. The Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it, according to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. So that is the sentence that is pronounced upon us, and what is the solution? The only solution is the cross of Jesus. And so that's why this song has come to mean a lot to me, and I feel like it's a good jumping-off point for our discussion today. Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain. Free to all a healing stream Flows from Calvary's mountain In the cross, in the cross Be my glory ever Till my raptured soul shall find Rest beyond the river Cross a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever till my. Should soul shall find 
Rest beyond the river, near the cross or Lamb of God, bring its seeds before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow more me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Near the cross I watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever. Till I reach the golden strand, just beyond the river. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. It is my hope and my greatest desire that you are finding rest beneath the cross of Jesus. That is really the heartbeat of speaking for him, is that people would find purpose and rest in the Lord Jesus because there is no purpose or rest apart from him. You know, as we traverse through this life, most of us at one point or another grapple with the issue of purpose and why am I here and what is my goal as I go through this life. And for those who are atheists who don't believe in any semblance of God, I really don't know how they get through life on a day-to-day basis because the whole thing that I live for when I get out of bed in the morning is Jesus put me here and he has a plan for my life. And that really is the whole story of the Bible. God created man in his image. He created man because he wanted to have fellowship with them. And then man decided to go their own way and do their own thing by taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the human race has been cursed ever since. As in Adam all die, so now in Christ shall all be made alive. And so we can rest in that, that Christ has the power to make us alive, but it's also important for us to realize that he is a gentleman, and he also says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will enter in and I will sub with him and he with me. So he is waiting for us to make the decision to follow him. Of course, God's sovereignty is also at work because the Bible clearly says that no man comes to the son except the father draw him. And we saw that in last week's episode when we discussed the Sabina Warbrand story about how she very nearly committed suicide, but God stopped her hand and said, Sabina, I have a purpose for you, and allowed her to live that out. And how 
grateful we can be in the scope of history that that happened because she helped so many people. She helped Jews escape uh, persecution in World War II, and then she helped Nazis after uh, World War II in a gesture of true forgiveness. So I just hope that encourages you today. And the next thing I want to share is a clip from a video that I found on YouTube about Irish traditions. And the exciting and unique thing about this one is it is actually from someone who is in Ireland. Uh, Her Facebook persona is Wolf Mama. And so if you want to look her up, she has other videos uh, relating to being Irish. But I just really thought that some of the things that she had to share uh, were very interesting um, as pertains to facts surrounding this day. And here's a fun fact. The very first St. Patrick's Day parade wasn't actually in Ireland. It was in America, in New York City in 1762. And it was Irish soldiers marching through the streets of Manhattan to a local tavern to have a drink. And then the first official St. Patrick's Day parade was in 1848. And that was also in America and New York City. And that was put on by patriotic Irish immigrants. And the first parade in Ireland didn't actually take place until 1903 in Waterford. So we actually took that tradition on St. Patrick's Day from Americans. So, um... Thanks, America. So the color green is really associated with St. Patrick and Ireland, but in the past, that color was blue, and it was actually called St. Patrick's Blue. And that changed during the 1798 Irish Rebellion led by Wolf Tone. So Irish people, Irish Catholics, were sick and tired of being under British rule, so they had a big rebellion, and the flags that they waved were green, supporters wore green, Um, If you didn't have green clothing, you'd wear green shamrocks um, on your clothing to show you were a supporter. And it was very dangerous. If you were caught wearing shamrocks or with green clothing, you could be hanged by the English. So um, it was a very dangerous thing to show your support for the rebellion. So then green became the color of St. Patrick and of Ireland. And the flag, the flag became green. The flag as we know it today is actually very modern. It's only been the national flag for not even 100 years, so it's very new. And um, what the flag symbolizes now is green is um, Irish Catholics, orange is Irish Protestants, and white is the harmony between them. So now on St. Patrick's Day, the Irish flag is a big symbol. Everyone waves it at parades, Um, except in Belfast. In Belfast, there's a bit of, um, basically, Protestants have a bit of hostility about that flag being used in Northern Ireland. Belfast is in Northern Ireland. Um, so, and because it's a national symbol, they don't really like that being used. So there's been a lot of trouble about that flag in Northern Ireland. So usually now in Belfast and up north on St. Patrick's Day, they don't wave that flag. They just wave green flags with shamrocks on them. So um, more of a neutral symbol. So some of the other symbols, I mentioned shamrocks. Shamrocks are obviously a big symbol on St. Patrick's Day. Um, apparently, St. Patrick used the shamrock to explain um, to people about the Holy Trinity of Christianity, you know, the three clovers, the Holy Trinity. Um, so and nowadays, you can buy shamrocks to wear on your clothes for the day. Another symbol associated with St. Patrick is the Celtic cross, and it's said that he actually designed this himself. And what the Celtic cross is, is that um, when he was converting pagans, to Christianity, um, he found that they worshipped the sun. So the pagan sun symbol was very important to them. So he took the pagan sun symbol and he put it inside the Christian cross. 
as a way to show them how important the Christian cross symbol was. So, and that is what a Celtic cross is, and that's where it comes from. Now, as I was doing my research for this episode, I found that some people had a major criticism of St. Patrick, which is that he took uh, the pagan symbols that were used in the culture and mixed in Christianity. But I wanted to give a perspective on the Celtic cross. She mentions that he put the sun in the middle of the cross as a way of showing the Irish people the importance of the cross in relation to the sun. And as I was hearing her say that, my mind went to this, that the creator God, the one that created the sun, is the one that hung on the cross on our behalf. And so I think that that is a good way of looking at the Celtic cross, that the sun is encapsulated by the cross because the creator of the sun is the one that hung on the cross. And so I hope that perspective gives you some encouragement and something to think about as you go through uh, your St. Patrick's Day. And I just really enjoyed that video. If you want to see the full video, it will be up on my blog at speakingforhim.blogspot.com for this episode. So make sure you avail yourself of that. Before we begin our special presentation on the life of St. Patrick, I just wanted to share with you our quote of the day, and that quote comes from St. Patrick himself who said, The Lord opened the sense of my unbelief that I might at last remember my sins and be converted with all my heart. One of the things that comes out in St. Patrick's life is that he took a very ambivalent attitude in his early years to two very important things. First of all, to his educational endeavors. Um, He didn't put a high premium on how education was important. And the second and more important thing is that he did not have a high view of his spiritual state and his need for Christ. And it was not until he was forced into slavery and brought from what is modern-day Scotland to Ireland that he had a life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus and saw how important salvation was. And so I hope that as you listen to this presentation, you will be blessed by it and that you will have a a new perspective and appreciation for St. Patrick and the day that we celebrate in his honor. My name is Patrick. I started life, as we all do, a sinner worthy of death and in need of redemption. I found it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is a privilege to share my story with you today. My hope is that it will give you some important things to think about. My greatest desire is that you would have a personal encounter 
with the mighty hand of mercy that reached down to me. I grasped it with all my heart. And he placed me on the path of life. By God's grace, I never looked back. It may surprise you to learn that I am not Irish. I was born Maywin Sakat in 385 and Roman Britannia in the modern-day town of Dumbarton, Scotland. I am the son of Calphurnius, a deacon from a high-class Roman family. My mother's name is Conchessa, niece of Martin, Archbishop of Tours. She is an elegant woman to whom good manners are of great import. Sadly, as I grew, I came to believe two dangerous lies. The first lie was deciding education was not important. I saw every opportunity to dodge any form of academic pursuit. I blush when I think about my level of indifference in those days. I placed a far greater priority on roaming the meadows that surrounded the opulent estate owned by my parents than spending time with my books. The second lie was a far greater and longer lasting consequence. I came to believe that spiritual and religious disciplines were intended for people far older than myself. I also foolishly thought that the primary purpose of such endeavors was to gain power and influence in society. The Proverbs say, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I was indeed a fool. In my case, that rod of correction came in the form of a nightmare that visited me in the real life, kidnapping and slavery. One day, shortly after I turned 16, I was, as usual, doing my best to avoid responsibility. My father had sternly warned me to stay away from the coastline and keep my guard up. Of course, being a 16-year-old and a know-it-all, you can probably guess where I ended up. That's right. As soon as I was dismissed from the breakfast table, I headed to my favorite spot along the coast. I remember vividly the exhilaration I felt as I leapt from tree to tree. I felt such freedom. I was on top of the world. Everything changed in an instant. Out of nowhere, I suddenly felt two strong arms on my shoulders, and before I knew it, I could not see a thing. After I was blindfolded, I felt a strong rope being fitted snugly around my waist. Slowly, my feet left the ground, and I was carried on to a ship bound for Ireland. Since the blindfold stayed on, it was hard to comprehend my surroundings. I was placed below deck and chained to a wall. The cargo hold held a strong stench of sweat and vomit. The four-hour journey felt like four days. I couldn't believe this had happened, and I had no idea what was to come. When we landed in Ireland, I was ushered into a square on the docks, and my blindfold was removed. I took in my surroundings and beheld a market where the product was men and women being herded like cattle and sold to the highest bidder. Miluk the Druid, a rich cattle and sheep rancher from deep inland, purchased me. Thirty pieces of gold, and I was his. 
it was a long week sitting in the back of that wagon mill. It wasn't a mean man necessarily, but his gruff demeanor and the indifference with which he slipped me by my daily allotment of bread and water made me long for the comforts of home. The adoring eyes of my dear mother, the delicious dinners we shared, even the stern looks and lectures from my father, I missed it all. For the next six years, I spent the majority of my time in the mountains with Millock's sheep. It was not how I envisioned spending my days, and the first few months were especially tough because I was not used to manual labor. As the days and nights passed, I began to contemplate the purpose of my life. I had never really given it much thought before. Although church had seemed unbearable when I was a young boy, sitting out under stars on that Irish mountainside brought to mind the words I had heard from the pulpit long ago. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalm 19.1 Was God watching over me? Did he care? Why was I even having this thought after all this time? One night, I was especially exhausted, and I fell asleep more rapidly than usual. Sometime that night, Jesus appeared to me in a dream. He assured me of the truth of his desire to redeem me from sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 23 through 24. That night, I felt the hand of God reach down and grasp mine. I chose to grip it with all my heart. During that night, I sensed Jesus saying that it was his intention that I be delivered from my current situation. I didn't see how, but I believed him and prayed daily that I would be prepared when the day of my escape came. Three weeks later, Miluk told me that he was leaving for a month. When he went off to negotiate a deal for more cattle, I prayerfully snuck away and started my long journey home. I sought the Lord for my daily bread, and he always provided. I had no idea what was ahead. I only knew that God was with me. I was excited to see my parents. I will never forget the happy tears in my mother's eyes or my own. My father was too stoic for a profound public display of affection, but his eyes definitely twinkled, and I, I am almost certain I saw the sheen of unshed tears as he clapped me on the back. I enjoyed the next few weeks of family dinners and helping around the estate. I also spent many hours reading scriptures and fell under the conviction that I should enter training for the priesthood. My parents were surprised but supportive of my determination to follow God's calling. As I was preparing, I had another dream. This time, I dreamed that the lost people of Ireland were calling out for me to walk among them once more. When I finished my studies, I took the name Patrick. I made plans to return to Ireland to share the gospel that had set me free. 
My parents and my church leaders opposed my plans, largely because of the violence that the Druids perpetrated on runaway slaves such as myself. But my allegiance was to God. This burden would only be alleviated by complete obedience. The hold of paganism was strong when I returned to Ireland. My life was often in danger, but God miraculously kept me alive. I was able to spread the gospel throughout the land, and I often used the three-leaf clover to illustrate the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I even shared this with my former slave owner, though he rejected it and committed suicide. I would much rather you follow the example of the King of Ireland. We started out as enemies, but later he had a life-changing encounter with Christ. My goal as I traveled throughout the land, whether testifying before the Council of Druids, preaching at the racetrack, or engaging with the merchants in the marketplace, was to draw as many people as I could to faith and Christ. You might be wondering if I was able to really rid Ireland of all its snakes. The surface answer is no. The natural environment of Ireland is not able to sustain a snake population. Spiritually speaking, though, I had many major victories against the old snake, that is, the devil. So there is some truth to that legend after all. In closing, I would like to share with you part of a prayer that shares the earnest desire of my heart. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. It's all about Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Trust him today. I hope that St. Patrick's journey with Jesus has given you encouragement as you traverse this journey that we call the Christian life today. I want to thank Russ Van Allen for taking the time to bring that story to life for us. And I have to take a minute at the end of the show here to just thank the myriad of people that have been involved in making the Speaking for Him podcast what it is. We are approaching very quickly our 500th episode, and I would not be still doing this podcast if it weren't for the many people who have helped me. Over the course of the last decade, I have seen three people take the co-host chair for me. I have been able to work in the JQ99 slash Joy99 studios, and I have weathered a pandemic and moved the podcast to a home studio. And all of that is thanks in large part to the many people who have invested their time and finances in speaking for him. 
that has not gone unnoticed, and I actually am planning a big celebration for my 500th podcast, which will hopefully allow people to see a live broadcast of the podcast from Brands on Division in Grand Rapids, Michigan, on April 30th, 2022. If you would like to be involved in this live event, please RSVP with the contact information that's going to play in just a few minutes at the end of the show. And know that I am so grateful if you are a listener and if you have contributed in any way, whether it be prayers, finances, or spent time working on various projects for this podcast. We've done more than I ever thought or imagined And I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness through it all. So I'm excited to celebrate with you on April 30th. And I just hope that you have a wonderful week and a wonderful St. Patrick's Day reflecting on the true St. Patrick and that above all, you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.